Good morning again, church. I can tell you how excited I am to be here after two years. Uh, thank you so much for supporting us. Uh, know this, you have planted six churches with us in the last few years. That's what you did, church. Can you clap for yourself? Come on. Come on. You can be proud of that. Hey. I love your pastor. Uh, he's a, really a, a, a brother, a mentor to me. Um, during the pandemic, when I was discouraged, I was watching Pastor Trevor's sermons. It, it was such an encouragement to me. And I think he's a great man. He's a great pastor. And the problem with greatness is when you are always uh, with great people, we tend to forget, for, forget, forget, uh, forget, yeah, how great they are. Uh, I really do think that it's a great man of God, a great preacher, a great leader. So can I ask you something? Can you help me to show him some love this morning? Come on, clap for your pastor, church. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, let's do that. Thank you, man. Love you. All right, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 9. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who thought the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Next verse. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet. When I read that, I thought to myself, finally, a Bible command easy to obey for me. <laughs> so I said, okay, when I'm going to cook a fat steak on the barbecue when drinking Coca-Cola and my wife comes to me and says, honey, this is not good for your health, I will answer her, hey, babe, I'm just obeying the word of God. <laughs> and all the meat lovers says, amen, amen. <laughs> Eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. My title today is Get Serious About Joy. I want to talk about the joy of the Lord. I think that one of the things that the pandemic did is, is that many people fall in the trap of losing their Joy, but God wants to restore joy in His church. Where does joy comes from? Question. Answer. It comes from God Himself. Zephaniah said this: "The Lord your God is in your midst; the Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing." How many of you are glad that we don't serve a God that is stoic, indifferent, and miserable, but we serve a God who celebrates not only with joy, but with great joy. There is joy in heaven. Jesus said this, Luke 15, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angel of God over one sinner's who repents. Notice, the text doesn't say that the angels rejoice. 
The text says that there is joy before the angels of God. So if the joy is before the angel, who's rejoicing? God. God is the one who rejoicing. So heaven is a place of joy. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, Jacob, and Jesus is different from all other ancient divinities because he is the only one who rejoices, sings, dances, and celebrates. So heaven is not a boring place. Heaven is not a place with chubby angels seated on clouds with harps and eating cream cheese. That's not heaven. Heaven is a party. Heaven is a place of celebration. In fact, God is the happiest being in the universe. John Ardberg wrote this. We will not understand God until we understand this about him. God is the happiest being in the universe. God also knows sorrow. Jesus is remembered, among other things, as a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. But the sorrow of God, like the anger of God, is his temporary response to a fallen world. Temporary. That sorrow will be banished forever from his heart on the day the world is set right. Joy is God's basic character. Joy is his eternal destiny. God is the happiest being in the universe. Hallelujah. I love that. God is a joyful God. Is it how you picture God? Are you picturing God as a God of wrath first? Are you picturing God as a God of sorrow first? Rather than sorrows, our temporary response, basic character of our God is joy. He is joyful. And in heaven, there is a party right now over one sinners who repents. So, so heaven is full of joy, and heavens want to communicate this joy to us. And heaven wants us to express the joy of God. Psalm 100 says this, Shout with joy before the Lord, O earth. Did you get that? Apparently not, okay? <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you a second chance, okay? Are you part of hurt? Are you living on planet earth? Yes, you do. So, second chance. Shout with joy before the Lord, O earth. Okay. Do we have some black folks in the room or Latino folks? Do we have a handful of them? Come on. There's no black people? No, come on. There's black people here. Raise your hand. No black. Yeah, yeah you're, you're kind of in between, right? You're, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you just got perfect skin. You're beautiful. Uh, uh, somebody else. Latino folks, black folks, couple. Of them. I will need a handful of you, okay? I will give you another chance because we uh, white people are so silent, right? Uh, we can be so boring sometimes. So we're going to get out of our comfort right now. I'm going to give you a third chance, okay? Shout with joy before the Lord, O earth. Come on. That's right. This begins to sound like heaven a bit. 
I grew up in a church when we had this distorted vision of spirituality. We thought that the more serious you were, the more severe you were, the more spiritual you were. And I remember an old lady at our church, uh, she was so severe, never smiling. And as a kid, I, I, was, I was bothered by it. So I asked my mom, I said, Mom, what is her problem? And mom said, oh. Son, she don't have any problem. I said, why she never smiles? She says, it's because she's really close to the Lord. <laughs> and I was, I was in my five-year-old head, I was like, if this is to be close to the Lord, I don't want to be close to the Lord. <laughs> I remember years ago, uh, we went to a church, my wife and I, and I was shocked. They, they had a sign. When you get in the building, they had a sign. And it was a, a warning, and it says this, no laughing aloud. <laughs> you know, when I see this, this kind of thing, I, I, I want to laugh. You know, so I said, ha, ha, no laughing. This is so funny. And I could not control myself. No laughing aloud. You see, many people believe the lie that they have to choose between being happy and spiritual, between having fun and having faith. But let me tell you this. If your faith is killing all the fun in your life, you may not have faith. You may just have religion. That was a good time to clap. That was, yeah. Have you noticed in the Western world how we are uh, moving towards cynicism more and more and more? Always, always. And, and, and my biggest problem is not that culture is moving towards cynicism. Here's my biggest problem. Is that the church of Jesus Christ was sucked in that vortex of cynicism. That cynicism just took the heart of so many Christians uh, on political things, racism, poverty, COVID, everything. Everybody's angry right now. Everybody's cynical right now. Let me tell you, joy is the cure to this cancer of cynicism. And God wants us to get our right back to be joyful because if you are children of the living God, if you accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you got the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit, his fruit is love, peace, and joy. This is your right to have joy. It is time for the church to go back to her right. It's time for the church to go back to joy. Can we sound like heaven for five seconds and make some noise in the house of the Lord this morning? Come on. Sound like heaven a bit. Hmm. When I was a youth pastor, there was a, a new young adult girl that showed up at church, and uh, I went to her. I said, hey, what's your name? I'm Rachel. She said, I'm a Christian. I'm from another church, but now this is my church. And I said, why, 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 what did you change? And she said, because every time I went to my other church, when I came out of there, I was depressed. And I was young, and I knew that one day I will plant a church. And it hit me like a truck. And I was like, I had this, this 
holy indignation in me. I said, this should never be that way. The place where people should be lifted up, encouraged, and full of joy is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. At our church, we believe this, because if you come to Montreal, it's beautiful, artistic, creative, but it's really dark on the inside. Beautiful on the outside, but really dark on the inside. And people are always depressed and always dark. And in our church, we have a strategy to be an antidote to this, antidote to depression, antidote to cynicism. So that's why we sing loud, we cry out loud, we clap loud, because we think this, church should never look like a funeral. Church should look like heaven. And in heaven, there is celebration. In heaven, there is a party right now. Hmm. Joy is the cure to cynicism. Now, let me give you three principles to cultivate joy in your life. And the, the first one is this, getting serious about joy. What I mean by that is to choose joy. Uh, the people in the text were mourning and weeping, and Ezra said, do not sorrow. It seems brutal to me. When, somebody, when you're sad and somebody say, don't cry, how do you react? You get mad, right? No, I want to cry. I'm sad right now. I don't want to be happy right now. Leave me alone. It seems brutal that Ezra said to people that were crying, mourning, do not sorrow. It even seems to me like a lack of compassion and empathy. How can you say to somebody that is sad to rejoice? Because joy is a choice. Even if you're sad, even if you're discouraged, even if you are in pain, you can choose joy. You say, Pastor David, this is not that simple in real life. I know, I'm a human. There's moment I don't want to rejoice. There's moment my heart's like this. Some of you are like that in church all, every week. No, 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 I'm not going to amen anything. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not, no, I'm white. I'm not gonna shout. I'm white. I'm white. No, I'm not. I'm not. You know, joy is a choice. And God would never command you to do something you can't do. Never. He would never do that. So joy is a skill that you can learn. Science has shown that some parts of our brains as an adult are fully mature and cannot grow more. But science has also shown that certain parts of our brains, like the center of joy, can grow all our life long. In other words, you can learn to be happy. God would never command you to do something you can't do. But for some of you, to rejoice seems absurd. But let me tell you, to rejoice always is absurd, but to rejoice always in the Lord is not. Ezra then said, do not sorrow for the joy is your strength. He did not say that. He said, do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's the same idea the Apostle Paul picked in Philippians 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord 
always. He didn't say rejoice always. He said rejoice in the Lord always because there's times that you don't have anything to rejoice. There's moments that the most appropriate response is grief, sadness, tears. So to rejoice always is absurd. But not to rejoice in the Lord. To rejoice in the Lord is not absurd because it's not based on circumstances. The joy of the Lord is not based on circumstances. We live sometimes in this illusion. I, I, I think that some believers don't trust God. They, they, they have faith in, in, in the fact that God will solve their problem. They don't have faith in God. So their faith is more in the problem resolution, problem solving, than in God. Sometimes we're like, oh, I'm going to be happy when, fill the blank. I'm going to be happy when I'll get the job. I'm going to be happy when I'll get the, 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 the house. I'm going to be happy when my kids are going to be well. I'm going to be happy when, when this and that. I'm going to be happy when, but Biblical joy, real joy, the joy of the Lord is not based on our circumstances. Look what the prophet Habakkuk said. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, he got a bad day, right? <laughs> this is a bad day. But look how he ends the passage. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Amen. So you can have a million dollars in your bank account and not have joy. But you can be broke and have Joy. You can have a well-paid position and not have joy. And you can flip burgers at McDonald's and have joy. You can have a great spouse and not have joy. Or you can have a, let's call them, a not-so-great spouse <laughs> and have joy. You can have perfect health and have a, not have joy. And you can have cancer beyond the hospital bed and have joy. I remember years ago, uh, there's a guy in our church. I was not the pastor at this time. He was called Mike. And Mike had an accident. He fell from his rooftops and he broke his back, hips, and legs. It was horrible. He couldn't walk for months. And the pastor said to the church, can you please, folks, go visit Mike? Because he, he will need encouragement and support from us. So, so my wife and I decided to visit him at the hospital. But when we entered the room, we were shocked because we expected a man that need to be encouraged. But he was looking like Moses, glowing like Moses just came down the mountain. He was so full of joy. And he said, come, come, brother, come. And he just hugged me. And he was giving me so much energy with this hug. I was like, oh, yes, yes, this is so good. This is so good. He was so encouraging to others. So the next Sunday, the pastor told the whole church, he, didn't say, he did not say, uh, please go 
visit Mike. He said, you all need to go visit Mike. Because joy is not based on circumstances. Joy is more than an emotion. It is first and foremost a spiritual condition. Yes, joy is an emotion. Of course it is. But it's more than that. It's first and foremost a spiritual condition. And most people think about joy as a binary thing. Like either you have joy or either you are sad. Binary thing. But let me tell you, folks, the joy of the Lord exists in a non-binary condition, which means you can be sad and have the joy of the Lord at the same time. Which means your dad could just pass away from terrible cancer. And you have tears in your eyes, and you're sad, and you grieve. But at the same time, being filled with an overwhelming joy, that your tears of joy are melting with your tears of sadness. Because let me tell you, the joy of the Lord is first and foremost a spiritual condition. Let me tell you this, the joy of the Lord is big enough to contain all your griefs and loneliness and sufferings and disappointment and discouragement as faith is big enough to contain all your doubts. Some people say, I cannot have faith because I have doubt. Let me tell you, faith is big enough to contain all your doubts. In the same way, joy is big enough to contain all your sadness and pain and grief. For the Lord, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Ezra understood the connection between joy and strength. He understood that when your joy is up, your strength is up. He understood when your joy is down, your strength is down. It's not the strength of the Lord that is my joy. It's the, Lord, the joy of the Lord that is my strength. So start with joy and strength will come. Start with joy and strength will come because joy produces energy. Joy makes us strong. Joy is a supernatural therapy. Let me tell you, joy is better than drugs. Somebody say amen. Amen. Joy is better than a joint. It's easy to say. Even or, or if, you're, if you're from Colorado, that's hard to say amen to this, but uh, say it. Joy is better than a joint. Amen. Joy is better than college basketball. I know it's hard. I know it's hard for you guys. Joy is better than college football. Joy is better than a chocolate box. Joy is better than sex because the joy of the Lord is a supernatural therapy. And the enemies knows this. So he's after your joy right now. He's fighting for your joy right now. He wants to steal your joy from you. He's a stealer. It's your joy. It's your right. But he wants it. 
He wants to steal your joy because he knows that if he got your joy, he will got your strength. So we, he will fill all your mind. And maybe you're in this season right now that the enemy fill all your mind with all the reasons you have to be frustrated, jealous, bitter, and discouraged. He wants you to minimize your blessing and, 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 and magnify your misfortune. He wants you to focus on your bad things and not the good things. He wants you to look at what you don't have and not what you do have. And he will do everything he can to fill you with anger and self-pity and sadness and ungratefulness. Because if he can do this little by little, he steal your joy. And if he got your joy, he got your strength. He's after your joy because he knows if he can have it, he'll have your strength. But let me tell you, there's an, another reason why he's after your joy. Did you know that the enemy cannot experience joy at all? Did you know that? Because, here's why. Because he's banished from the presence of God now and then. So because he's out of his presence, he cannot experience joy because God is the ultimate source of joy. So the enemy cannot be happy today or tomorrow or any day. So he wants you to be just like him. Have you met some people like that? If I don't have it, anybody else going to have it, you know? He's exactly that way. He wants you to be sad as he is and dark as he is and despaired as he is. It is time for us, the church, to take back our right to say to the enemy of our soul, you will not have my joy. I will not be like you in Jesus' name. And can you do a step of faith this morning and clap to the Lord and say, Lord, I receive this joy. This is for me. This is my right. This is your joy. To cultivate joy, you need to get serious about joy. You need to choose joy. Secondly, you need to get serious about obedience to the word of God. Nehemiah 8 said, verse 12, And all the people went and rejoiced greatly because they understood the word that were declared to them. The word was preached. Verse 14, And they found written in the law, which they found written in the law, <coughs> which the Lord has commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month. So the whole assembly and those who had returned from the captivity made boots, and they were very, there was very great gladness. Two things in this verse. They understood the word, and they obey the word. First of all, they understood the word. I strongly believe in those days we are living in, those cynical days, those last days. If you don't feed yourself with the word of God regularly, you cannot experience joy. You cannot sustain joy. I met with a, a young lady a couple months ago. She was so radiant, so full of joy that I, I said, hey, tell me your story. You're so joyful. Oh, she said, I was not that way all my life. She said, 13 years ago, I, was, I had a Christian fiance and I got nuts. 
I left him, I left the church, I left my family, I disappeared for three years, and I lived an immoral life for three years. And she said, after I came back, I came back to him, I married him, and, and I, I was for 10 years living a holy life. But she said, I didn't have joy. I could not experience joy at all. Joy at all. So I said, hey, man, what changed? How, why are you so joyful right now? And she said this. I began to read the Word of God every day. I said, oh, what do you read? She said, I'm reading everything. I'm reading 50 chapters a day. I said, really? She said, yes. And now I just don't read the Word of God. I understand the Word of God. And it brings me so much joy. Let me tell you, if you need to sustain, if you want to sustain your joy, you need the Word of God. You need to read the Word of God. You need to understand the Word of God. But there's more. You need to obey it. Because deep joy, deeper joy comes from obedience. Anna Willow Smith wrote this, joy comes from obedience to Christ and through obedience to Christ. Without obedience, joy is shallow and artificial. Joy is shallow and artificial. Have you felt sometimes that your joy is just shallow, just Stealing from you like this. Let me tell you, deeper joy comes from obedience to the word of God. So it explained many things. It explained why so many believers today are not joyful. Because they never obeyed the word of God. They took it like suggestions. They took it like options. Let me tell you, deeper joy comes from obedience. The New Testament and Jesus' teachings teach that. Jesus said, Jesus said that if you keep my commands, my joy will be in you and your joy will be full. Listen to this. Your joy is not enough. Your joy is shallow. Your joy is temporary. You need a deeper joy. The joy of Jesus is not shallow. The joy of Jesus is not temporary. And when you obey the words of Jesus, he gives you his joy. Some of us had never sacrificed anything from the Lord. Some of us had never obeyed the Lord when he asked for hard things. Because you think that if you obey, if you let go of that thing, your life is done. You think that you, you will be the most miserable person on earth. Let me tell you, this is a lie. There's no greater joy than the joy of obedience. So maybe somebody this morning needs to obey God in a relationship that is out of God's will. Maybe you have an appetite that is out of order. Maybe your sexuality is not aligned with the word of God. Maybe it's something that, something that you watch, you say, you do, somewhere you go, but don't expect Expect daily sustainable joy if you don't walk in obedience. But let me tell you the secret. The moment you say, God, I, I, 
I surrender. The moment you say, God, this is tough. I cannot leave that person. But, Lord, I know you want me to quit her. I, want, I know you want me to quit him. So I surrender. The moment you do this, you have the joy of heaven that is infused in your heart, soul, and body. There is no greater joy than the joy of obedience. And I want somebody who experienced that at least once, say amen and clap for somebody who needs to hear that today. Come on. We cultivate joy by choosing joy. Get serious about joy. Get serious about obedience to the word. And I close with this, getting serious about worship. In chapter 9, verse 5, it says this, and the Levite said, stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all, above all blessings and praise. And if you read the whole chapters, the, the whole chapter for 37 verse, they just erupt. They just burst in worship. They say things like, you are powerful. You are merciful. You are a miracle maker. You are full of grace. You are our deliverer. Why they do that? Because they knew that joy comes from worship. So many people today are waiting for joy to worship. That's a lie. That's a lie. Joy comes when you open your mouth and open your heart and say, Lord, I will bless you at all times. You took away, you gave something, I will bless you no matter what. Don't wait for joy to worship God. Worship God and joy will comes for the joy of the Lord is my strength. Many Bible character understood that and we need to be renewed in that thought today because we are a bunch of people look waiting for joy. I'm I, some people are waiting for joy to come to church. Come on. Come to church and joy will come. Come to hear the word of God. Come to obey the word of God. Come to worship the mighty one and joy will come. If you have uh, talked to Jehoshaphat, the king Jehoshaphat, when he was outnumbered by the Ammonite and the Moabite and all those parasites, hey, why are you singing, folks? He would not say, we are singing because, uh, because we are outnumbered. He would say, we are singing because we know, we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. If you met with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just about to be thrown in the fire. Why are you singing, guys? They would not answer, we're singing because we're going in the furnace. They would say, we are singing because we know, we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. If you met with Paul and Silas in prison in Philippi, uh, uh, singing at the top of their lungs while they were just beaten like animals, guys, why are you singing? They would say, we know that we know that we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. A couple of years ago, I heard that story. And I was, when I prepared this message, it made me, it reminded me of it. 
It's the story of a, a family that had a little bird. It was a canary. And uh, this bird was making the whole household so happy because the bird was singing every day. And uh, one day, his mistress was with the vacuum cleaner cleaning the bird cage. But accidentally, she dropped something on the floor. So she leaned a bit just to pick up the thing, but she didn't notice that the vacuum hose just changed the angle a bit. <laughs> And the little bird was just boom, sucked in the vacuum cleaner. She got panicked, she went, oh, my bird, my bird. So she unplugged the machine, opened the door, took the bag, teared the bag, and looking for the bird. And the bird was alive. So she was, oh, my bird is alive. She took it out. And the bird was full of dust, a gray bird, full gray bird. The only thing you could see were the little eyes. No, it's a bird, so the little eyes, like this, okay? It's a bird. The only thing you could see was the little eyes. She cleaned her bird, put it back in the cage, and said, thank you, Lord Jesus, my bird is alive. But there was only one problem. You know what it is? The bird never sang again. The bird had PTSD. <laughs> The bird had BPTSD. He got bird PTSD. The bird never sang again. So it reminds me, this story reminds me of some of you here right now. You have been sucked into the enemy vacuum cleaner and you're now full of dust of this world. Some of you are full of dust of despair. Some of you are full of dust of anxiety. Some of you are full of dust of depression. Some of you are full of this gray dust of addiction and sin and chains. But I came down from Montreal today to tell you this. You are gonna sing again. You are gonna sing again, my friend. It is not done. It is not the end. God is not done with you. You're gonna sing again. Discouraged people, you're gonna sing again. Depressed people, you're gonna sing again. Divorced people, You're gonna sing again. Disappointed people. Some of you have broken dreams. Some of you, the pandemic took so much from you that your life right now don't look at all at what it looks like before. And you have such broken dreams and it's hard and it hurts. I know it hurts. I know what it, what it is to lost your dreams. I know what it is, but let me tell you, You are gonna sing again. Praise God. He is good. He is worthy. He is the Lord that needs to be praised all the time. You just have to show up on the battlefield. This is not your battle. This is his battle. But the only one, the thing you gotta do, okay, it is his battle. He's fighting, but the question is, are you going to show up on the battlefield? It's his battle, but you need to show up. 
If you want him to fight for you, you need to show up. So show up every day. Show up today. Some you have a broken dream about marriage. Some you lost a fiance. Some of you, your kids are so far away from the Lord right now and you had this dream for them just to serve the Lord and to love the Lord. Let me tell you, show up on the battlefield. The only thing you have to do is show up and praise him. Show up and adore him. Show up and praise his name. Can we do that right now? Can we praise the Lord, the Lord right now in the house? Hey, come on. Hey, can we sound like heaven for 10 seconds and give a massive praise to the kings of kings and the Lord of lords? Come on. Hey, can we stand up, please? Everybody, everybody stand up. I'm going to pray for you, but before that, one last thought for you. Psalm 118. You know that verse. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. For years and years, I thought that in this verse, the day the Lord has made was this day. That's what I thought. Maybe that's what you're thinking right now. But a couple months ago, I met with a new friend. He's a Jewish messianic pastor. And he told me, David, in this verse, the day the Lord has made do not mean this day. He said, in this verse, the day the Lord has made mean this day. It's pointing to the cross. Because in the context, the verse is talking about, the context is talking about the day when the Messiah will come. But we know that the Messiah has come. So when we rejoice today, we rejoice because of this day. So even if you don't have any reason to rejoice today, you can rejoice because of this day, because of this day, we are justified by faith, amen? Because of this day, we are sanctified by grace, amen? Because of this day, we are adopted in God's family. Because of that day, we are called children of the living God, sons and daughters of the kings and king and Lord of lords. Because of that day, so my friend, even if you don't have any reason to rejoice today, we can rejoice because of that day, because of what Jesus has done for us. Come on, rejoice right now. Come on, clap for him right now. Say, Lord, I receive this joy for me. Now I pray for you. Father, I come to you praying for my friends here. Some of them were trapped in despair, trapped in cynicism, 
trapped in sorrows and pain, and you are calling them out of it now in Jesus' name. Any circumstances may not change, but their heart will change. This is their right to be joyful. This is their right to be happy because they are your children. So fill them now with your joy. By the Holy Spirit, we want to be obedient to your word. We want to worship you no matter what. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So now receive his joy in Jesus' name. Get out of darkness. Get out of despair. Get out of sorrows. The Lord is saying to somebody here, you have cried enough on this. The Lord is concerned with your pain, but the Lord is, I don't know for whose it is, but you, the Lord is telling you, like he told to Samuel, stop crying on this. I have another thing for you. While you're crying on Saul, there's a David that you miss because God wants to bring David in your life. Lord, we receive your joy right now. We believe in you. We take our rights of children of the living God, and we thank you for this abundant, abundant joy that you pour out on us in Jesus' name. And all the people of God says...